Hi there, welcome to Home with Havila. I'm your host, Havila Kennington, and today we're continuing our series in being a spirit-led Christian. I hope you guys caught the last podcast with Chris Valentin. We talked about discernment and how to begin to get that to grow in our lives and cultivate it in our everyday life. And today we're tackling the topic of prophecy. What does it mean to prophesy? Does it mean you need to be prophet so-and-so or prophetess so-and-so? Do you need to write a book? Do you need to see an angel? Or can you actually just prophesy in your everyday life? So we're going to have this conversation. I hope that it opens your eyes. It inspires you. It encourages you that you can start small and that you really are hearing God's voice. We've had different guests on the podcast specifically for this series. And today I'm really honored and excited to introduce you to our guest and my twin sister, Deborah Giles. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. See, Deb's never been on the podcast before, so I it's hard. I had to talk to your agent, get right. your manager to put it in. We got canceled a couple right. times. We're on the NDA, right? Like, right? We're not allowed to say very much. But. <laughs> <laughs> but the first thing you're probably thinking is, oh my gosh, you sound like your twin sister. Yes. We get that all the time. Yeah, we're identical. We are actually identical twins, so we do look alike. Um, I think we don't look as much alike as most people think we do, but we do have the same voice, we I do. would say. Yeah, we look alike. We are mere twins. So 10% of identical twins, according to a Yale study, um, said that there's 10% of identical twins are mere twins, which is I'm left-handed, she's right-handed, our calyx are on opposite sides. We just are very similar. And people often say, oh, do you think you know, you have that twin suspicion. And I say, no, I think that when you've been with somebody for so long, mm-hmm. you can anticipate their choices and their thoughts. Um, but Deborah and I spent the first 25 years together. We call each other womb mates and we were together. Um, and I always call her my first marriage. <laughs> I did life <laughs> together. I mean, we did everything from went to school together to owned a house cleaning business together, owned the same car together, mm-hmm. same bank account for a while. That yep. was crazy. Um, but we did life, and then uh, God had us kind of separate ways to go probably find our husbands. Right. Never <laughs> went to England and found her big souvenir. And mm-hmm. I waited for my husband to come to me, um, and he did. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, we kind of went different directions, but we really, our formative years in the spirit-led world and hearing God's voice and really our authentic walk with Christ was together. We did it together. And uh, Deborah was there the first night that I was in the car with those guys. I talk about it often, but my real encounter night, she had the same encounter. We were in the car. God showed up. And then also our first time we ever prophesied, we were in the same space as well on a gym floor in, in LA, which we'll talk about. But Deborah and I have, we really started this journey together. And I've watched her life take a whole new spin, which we'll talk about, um, but it's really awesome to see what God does in and through our lives um, and really the unique roads God takes us, but yet his hand is on us. And so, Deborah, why don't you maybe tell everybody who you are, what you do, who you're married to, all the things. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. I feel it's a great privilege and I love listening to it. I know I'm your sister, but I do enjoy listen to this podcast and I'm I'm glad to be here. I am from California as well. We we live about two and a half hours away from each other. 
Uh, we're in the Sacramento area, and I've been here since, well, a long time. was in England for a year where I met my husband, and then we've come back here and been here about 16 years. We go to a church called Jesus Culture <laughs> and have been there for uh, since it opened about six years ago and are, serve on the board there and help lead things. And then we also run a, a business as well that kind of uh, God opened the doors for. We never thought we would do anything like this. My husband was in management and kind of in that role in different retail and sales. He did very well. And we thought that's how it always looked. And so um, we never thought we'd be entrepreneurs. We never thought we'd be business owners. Um, but about four, almost five years ago now, uh, we made a change and through hearing the voice of God and through that process have been on an incredible journey of blessing and favor and hard parts and scary parts and, and all of it. So we are here. We do have three children. Uh, we have a girl and two boys. Um, I don't know if you know this, but our children, Judah, your son, and my daughter are 90s apart. We were pregnant together. Our second are six weeks apart. Our third, Grayson and Wesley, are three months apart. And then I stopped and you kept going. <laughs> That's right. Well, you so, got your girl. Yeah, so, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah, you, I think you looked at me at one point and said, you really better think about this before you go to four because my husband was gone a lot. And um, I I think it was a wise move on, on my end. So, and yeah. And the repercussions of the fourth versus the third, yeah. I feel like I paid penalty a lot more. Yeah. I think that fourth baby just takes you over the edge where your body's like, I now know. we're going to stay like this. <laughs> like we've done this it's for true. six years. We're done. I know. And you and I had had a good break between the second and third. Yeah. But you guys, like so much identical twins that my mom had prayed. We did not get married. Both her and I did yeah. not get married till we were 27. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So we were like kind of on the old scale of the church world. You guys, if you're in the church world, you know what I'm talking about. In the real world, world, not at all. We're like totally normal. Any other world. Um, but we were in that stage and then we, so my mom was praying for spouses and then we had gotten married that year. My mom and dad had gone to Israel. We had gotten married within six months of each other. Yeah. Six yeah. months of each other. We were mm -hmm. in each other's weddings, maid of honors in each mm -hmm. of our weddings. Our husbands were in each other's weddings. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was a blast. That, yeah. that season was so fun. And then, um, we <laughs> basically, my mom went to England with my dad on a, on a, not England, Israel on a ministry trip. And. Apparently on that trip, she had put, rolled up a prayer that said, I would like grandbabies. And she had put it in the wall uh, in Israel, Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And um, what she didn't know was that why they were gone on the trip, both Deborah and I had found out we were both pregnant. And we were shocked. I had been married <laughs> three months. You'd been married... Well, right. eight months. Right. And it was it was a shock. Well, you had found out you were pregnant first. And I remember you telling me the symptoms you had. And I thought I was just being a twin and going, oh, I, I'm feeling that too. And I'm making it up in my mind. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just feeling what you're feeling. <laughs> symptoms, and symptoms. yeah, and I think I tested about a week later and could not believe it because it was like, no, yeah. I was pregnant. I'm not pregnant. And um, it was wild. It was, it was wild. Fun. And I was going to say, you, um, you, you were doing sympathy, but you were the first one. I don't think Ben knows this, but you were the first one to find out I was pregnant. Yes, I don't think true. I've ever told him that. No, you haven't. No. But we, we tested and then we looked at each other and went, oh no. Because we didn't think it'd be real. No. So I tested. She's in the house with me and I we both find out yeah. I'm pregnant for the first time. <laughs> and then we have to act like we don't know until yeah. Ben finds out. And yeah. then you did the whole thing over again with him. Yes, I did. And then you announced it to us. <laughs> Which yeah, worked we out well. <laughs> and then, um, gosh, you were in my first birth. Yeah. And that inspired you to have a C-section. Yeah. That was, that was what, three days as a, as a 
a mom who's going to have her first baby two weeks later. Like nine months pregnant. I remember going through your labor and waking up the next day pregnant and crying because I realized <laughs> I have to do what she just did and I'm really overwhelmed. I wish someone at that moment would have said, you know, we're going to have you exit stage left yeah. and come back. When she's about to push. Yeah, it was too and close. It was yeah, too it was close. just too much going on. It's like on. having knee surgery. You would witness someone's knee yeah. surgery and then turn around and have to have it in two days. Yeah. Yeah. It's a totally different. But who knew? Who oh, knew? my gosh. And, um, yeah, so we've really been pretty close. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's another secret that I don't know if we should share with everybody or not. Okay. Do you know what secret it is? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so Deborah was watching Judah. Don't ever tell this. Oh gosh. Don't ever say this to anybody. If you <laughs> if you listen to this, um, there should be a code word that people yeah. know, which is think of a code word. But anyway, yeah. So I had uh, the littles. Uh, we both had our infants, and Deborah was watching Judah, and Judah was I want to say three months. Well, what months. did I, no 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 you had had your baby. Uh, before your first anniversary, you had gotten pregnant close oh, to your honeymoon. Right. And so we said, because I had just had my baby, you know, nine days after you, we said, go out and have your anniversary dinner. Like, we'll take the baby. You go celebrate your first anniversary. So he was a year. Is that what you're saying? Yes, you're right. He was a year. Oh, no, I just was yeah, curious. I no, you're right. Like, thinking, no. I don't think I would have left him a couple of days after I'd given birth. It would have yeah. been a, yes, a year. a year. Yeah. And so I said... No, I'll take him. It's good. And you said, well, he doesn't take a binky. And I said, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And my babies all took binkies. So I was like, no, it's fine. We I got think it. it was Valentine's Day. Maybe that's what because it was. Thank you. That would have been, been, yes. So maybe it's like. It would have been like six months. Thank you. Little. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I you thought. Know, like he was three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to so, think it's funny when you hear the story. <laughs> right. So I'm like, no, I got this. Like, it's my sister's kid. I'm I'm okay. I got it. I'll figure it out. I've got the baby. It's good. So they left. And you said, no, I, he doesn't do well. I'm like, he'll be fine. And the minute I think you shut the door and got in your car, he began to cry. And Judah was not an easy baby. No. He had like, he, some people say, oh, you have to train your baby. Yeah. Others of us have babies that train us. Yes. And Judah trained me what he wanted, when he wanted yes. it. Yes. And he was so consistent in that. And he would scream until yes. he did what he wanted him to do. Yes. There was yeah. a, there's a great book called The Baby Whisperer. And she was a nanny for 30 years, an English woman. She's passed away now. And she talked about there's five personas of baby from angel to textbook. And then they're spirited, and then there's grumpy. And I think Judah yeah. was a grumpy Judah's baby. A grump. Yeah, he was. I would agree. So, um, so he just would not be happy. He wanted to nurse, and I'm a nursing mom, but I'm like, I don't know. So I said, we we tried a passy, <laughs> we tried everything. We but I had left a bottle full of breast. You did. You had you. pumped. You were yeah, ready, but he just would not have it. And and we, I mean, we tried and tried, and he cried and cried, and we thought maybe we should call them. No, we want them to celebrate Valentine's. No. No, let's not do that. And finally, I said, you know what? Gosh darn it. I'm just going to nurse this child. And I went in and all of a sudden my, hu- yeah, my husband school. walks in. And he's like, he's quiet. What's going on? And here he is happily nursing. And I'm like, I look at my husband and I said, don't you tell them. Like, you just leave it alone. Don't you say a word to them. Well, if you know my husband, Daniel, he does. He is very, he, help yeah, he can't help himself. So the minute I think he walked in the door, I think he looked at Havla. Didn't he say immediately well, to you? Well, he smiled and you both mm-hmm. were smiling and I looked at the bottle, it was empty. And I said, did he eat? You're like, yeah, he ate. You weren't lying. You said, yeah, he ate. And then I look at Daniel and Daniel just couldn't help. He just smiled. And I said, what happened? You guys weren't lying. You weren't no. going to like hide it from no. me. But, oh my gosh. It was so funny. So yeah. now Judah, Judah doesn't know this. He's 15. So mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to talk about it as 
at his wedding reception. We will. That's we will. The time we're going to bring that up. I, I was his it. wet nurse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, Deborah and I have had, I mean, you can tell. We could sit here and talk for hours and hours, and, and we really enjoy talking. We've been together for like a week just for yeah. Christmas. Uh, but I wanted to have Deborah on the podcast because Deborah is very prophetic. In fact, when people talk about prophetic people, I'm like, oh, my sister. You have to know my sister because Deborah is very prophetic in how she hears God, but she hears God very different than I do. Deborah's a dreamer. God speaks to her in dreams. And most often, Deborah has a dream. And within that year, it really is outlined in real life. And um, what many people don't know is that Deborah's dreams have led many of the world leaders that were around in their lives. Like she's given a dream and then they've purchased a building, they've moved cities. They've really had these kind of corresponding truths and, and life-altering decisions because of Deborah's dreams. And now as her sister, I used to hear about her dreams and they were usually linked to herself or her story. But when Deborah has a dream about me or my life or our world, I always want to stop and say, please write this down, send it to me because it's something that I know is prophetic and sovereign and it's usually linked up to the voice of God. So let me start with hearing God's voice. Um, maybe I, and I know we're different personality. I know mm-hmm. you can't probably tell that on the podcast, but Deborah was quite shy and not super aggressive, mm-hmm. but you begin to hear God's voice. Did it start as dreams? Um, I, I was always a dreamer. Yeah. I was always a dreamer, but I remember we are also big YWAMers. So we grew up, uh, where we were taught to have quiet times. Like that was something that we did. And we were taught to sit quietly and wait to hear God's voice, either a picture or an unction, something. And I am a journaler by nature. I don't journal as much anymore because of children and family and life. Um, but I journaled a lot. And so what would begin to happen is I'd be sitting journaling and I would feel an unction that God would begin to say something to me. And I'd begin to write it down in my quiet times. And so I wouldn't know if it was God, but I think it was God. And he'd begin to speak to me, not about other people, but just to me personally. And I begin to hear his voice personally to me uh, before I could hear it for somebody else. And so it was kind of hearing his voice, learning to hear his voice. And he would speak things to me that only he would know things that I couldn't make up. That was just, I knew it was God's voice speaking to me. And that kind of built my confidence to begin to hear his voice. So I'm more of a hearer. You know how you have your spiritual, the different um, languages or prophetic personalities. I'm a hearer by nature. So that can throw people because I could, you know, I'm more of a writer. I could write out God's. A lot of times when I do the prophetic, I can write it out word for word. Where more people are, you know, they're just different ways. That's just the way I hear and, God. And you're the type that could say, God told me this and God told me this. And you could do that every day. Yes. Yeah. And so... um it is, it can be difficult because I have a husband who's more of a knower. And so he, I have to be careful not to use that all the time because I could tell him every day, well, God told me this and God told me this and I can use it as, as power. Um, and it, it has to be something where I, I want to use it lightly. Yeah. And, and almost, not all the yeah. time because it begins to, your voice almost lessens. It's not as powerful. If you use it constantly, it not, it doesn't feel as powerful and it doesn't, people don't stop and listen as much when you're overly using it. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I'm curious, as you started to hear God and started to dream, like, can you give everybody an example of like somewhere that God spoke to you before it ever happened? And do you remember any big significant times in your life where you felt like it was prophetic? Like, I know you had dreams Clearly, you've given me dreams, 
but does God always speak to you in a dream? And how does that begin to happen? How did you know to take it seriously? Well, I, God began to speak to me in dreams. I, I, I Again, people begin to say, if you're a dreamer, write your dreams down. Get up in the morning. And if they sit with you, I can kind of tell the difference of when God's giving me a dream because I can't shake it. It's just something where I think about it, think about it, and I can't shake it. Now, the interesting thing with dreams are is that they don't make sense usually, and there's random things in them. And so in our mind, we're thinking, well, that doesn't make sense. And so we kind of want to edit the dream. And the Lord spoke to me once and said, if you edit my dreams, I won't give you dreams. So I've had to when I get a dream, I write them down immediately. And then I ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, interpret the dream for me. Like, please give me the dream and interpret it. Now, please, like, I'm not a dream interpreter. There are people who have that <laughs> gift. Yes. I do not. And I'm being sent dreams. And I'm like, I wish I did. I I can only interpret my own dreams. I don't have this gift um, in that way. But I think that the more you value dreams, the more God gives them to you and the more leaders value them, the more God gives them dreams. So for instance, with Jesus culture, our, our, my pastor Banning really values dreams. And he learned that from Pastor Bill in Bethel, uh, where I know Pastor Bill carries a binder around with all of his dreams that people have given him. And so uh, because he values it, God gives him more dreams. And so, you know, in our own life, when I had, I've had dreams and given them to my pastor, he ask questions. He's interested. And I don't send eight pages, guys. I send one paragraph. I know they're busy. I'm not trying to do like a novel. I'm just trying to get the main idea out there. And then I'm always giving a bit of an interpretation of what I feel like it is. So they're not trying to like figure it out on their own. I'm not, I'm not trying to give them more work. Do I'm you trying to know the interpretation. Of, that, um, of those moments, or do you sit with it? I sit with it. I mull it over. I read it. I mull it over. Sometimes I know immediately. Sometimes I search. Sometimes I'll go, okay, um, you know, what does blue mean in the Bible? And, you know, okay, that means, you know, the, the I remember, um, you know, the, like blue means I, um, the kingdom of God. And mm -hmm. so, okay, that's what that means. So if I, that's blue and she picked up a blue cup, that's the kingdom of God. I begin mm -hmm. to, and you have to be careful guys. There's a lot of weird stuff out there. So you really want to just biblically make sure that you're looking for biblical understanding of things, not weird things out there, but, um, and really just test it, like really just read it, test it and sit on it. And there's dreams I sit on. I don't tell, I don't share immediately. I sit and wait. Um, and sometimes I think I have clarity and understanding mm -hmm. and then it, it completely changes. Mm -hmm. We had a, um, it was interesting. Uh, I had a dream. I usually have a dream at the beginning of the year. Um, I had a dream at the beginning of the, uh, like two weeks ago. And in the dream, there was a specific number, um, that I had. And, in that dream, it just popped up on a computer screen. I saw the number. It was in the millions. And I thought, that's interesting. Maybe that had to do with our business and some volume things. So I wrote it down. And then I was sitting um, in a board meeting. And all of a sudden, that specific number came up. And I went, oh, that's connected to the dream I had. And I was able to share in that meeting that information. So I don't know what the Lord has with that. I don't have any clarity on it. I'm I'm only the messenger. I'm not there to make it pass, to make it like come work it out. Yeah, come right. to pass. I'm just there to share it and be the vessel. That's what we do in the prophetic. We're saying, I believe the Lord's telling me. It's not, I'm not, yeah. it, my hands are open. I'm right. not attached to it's it, right? It's not yeah. a force feed. So I'm just saying, this is what I believe. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you are. And the more, um, 
I remember my our dad, my dad, our dad always <laughs> saying, you know, in the prophetic, if you say, should I, don't. But if yeah. you say, do I have to God, then it's usually him. So yeah. it's, if you're looking for affirmation or someone to uh, recognize, yeah, yeah, recognition, then something's off. And I always look at that like, what am I needing out of this? Um, but if it's like, a, oh, this is embarrassing. I don't know. I think that apprehension is actually a good thing. That's that's a check and balance. And then I'm always saying here, giving it with my hands release. Take it or leave it. This is what it is. And we'll see. How we'll do people see. respond? It depends. Some people, um, it's very specific and it's right on. And other times they're thank you and and they think it's specific to something and then it's not or it's something else. Or they'll come back 10 years down the road and go, this was exactly, I remember I had a dream about a couple and they were in a field and they were laughing on the ground and they were going, oh my goodness, we have $200,000. I can't believe it. This is incredible. And, and, uh, they, I gave them that dream. And about 10 years later, I got an email saying that with the housing market at the time, the market had crashed in 08 and 10 years later, um, they had just sold their home and made $200,000 to the exact number. And they said that with Deborah, we remember the dream you gave us $200,000. We were dancing in a field and that dream. So that dream, I didn't even remember the dream. It wasn't like I was holding on to it, waiting for them to tell me. I just, I just obey and I release. I don't wait for recognition from it. Um, and and that has helped me in my life to not, I'm not looking for affirmation. I'm not looking for identity. I'm not trying to be the prophetess of the house. I'm just obeying what the Lord has for me. And I'm moving on to what else he has and whatever that looks like. I wish I could dream on command. I Sometimes I'm like, Lord, I mean, I've had leaders come to me and say, could you do a dream for me? Please just give me a dream. Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't. So obviously God has taken you on a different path than you probably expected. I mean, Deborah and Daniel were in ministry in England. Deborah was a pastor, came home. And then God, again, that was 2008. There was a huge recession. There was a lot of, uh, in California, it was crazy. If you lived here, you would know anywhere in the world, really. But you went into real estate. Um, Daniel went into working corporate jobs at Starbucks and Apple and Land Rover, and he was very successful in that, um, always would go in at a lower level and then work his way up to management, leadership. They would beg him not to leave, and then he would do, you know, got headhunted and did it a couple times and really succeeded. Um, and you were obviously having kids. You still had this gift activated in your life, um, but then God began to talk to you about getting Daniel home. Did that happen through a dream or was it really just a prophetic unction? I had a dream. I had a dream. And in the dream, um, I was, we were really debating. It felt like a let up and I don't remember. No, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. No, I had, <laughs> I'm like perfect timing. It's a lead up. Though. Right. Okay. Um, I had a dream. We were really debating three things, where to live, where to put our kids and what to do. And in the dream, I had bought a new home and we had moved in. And the, the next day there was a fire and the whole backyard burnt up. And I felt like, oh, I'm in this small little home. But I grabbed my cup of coffee. You know, when you move in and you've got boxes everywhere and you grab your cup of coffee. And I turned a corner and it moved, it went into another living room and another kitchen. And I turned another corner, another living room, another kitchen. And it was on these hill, this it was these beautiful hills the house was on. And um, and then finally the I could hear the Holy Spirit as I was waking up say, income property. 
And I looked at Daniel, I woke him up and I said, honey, the Lord said income property. We're going to look where we need to buy a home. It needs to be smaller because it will be income property for us. At that time, guys, remember, you don't know. I'm thinking smaller home would become income property. What was really happening, God was moving us so that I would start a new company that would create income for us. So, mm. and so what he did is he moved us in a one direction, your blind faith doing it. So I had that dream. And within two weeks, we had the school, we had the house. And then uh, the day we moved into the house, the day that I started this business, um, that I really call it, it's a business slash ministry is what it is. And, um, and from then on, it was kind of like, okay, Lord, what do you have for us? And now, did you, I mean, you and I know, I know the story, but it wasn't a high time. God's telling me, let's go. No. You were at one of your lowest times in your life. And I, I knew that as your sister. Um, and just because Daniel had found success, it meant you were on your own, working with your three babies, you know, struggling to make it, no end in sight. And you were saying, Lord, I, I want something like to change. Yeah. Um, I just think there are people listening right now that are like, I don't know what God's doing. And I feel like if he gives me a dream, am I just going to be more disappointed? Because mm -hmm. I don't know how to how to hear God. Right. Right. And sadness. Yeah, absolutely. I went through many years of wilderness, many years of wondering, God, what are you doing? And just feeling really like God had disappointed me, like he had left me. He had led me this far. Now what? You know, um, did I make a wrong decision? Was there sin in our life in some way that I missed? Um, why, you know, it just felt my husband, because he worked sales, you know, he worked nights, weekends, every holiday. Um, it was, he got 10 days off a year. There was no freedom to that. And he started to make good money, but as we know, money doesn't equal freedom. And so time freedom. So it really was a struggle. And, you know, my, my thought was, as we grew up and we had done ministry together for years was I was going to marry a ministry person. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were doing ministry together. We were going to pastor together. And I and when I met Daniel, he was youth pastoring. So we had thought ministry in that way was going to be our path. That was it. And what was crazy is every time we would head into ministry, doors would start to shut. And every time we'd head into the marketplace, doors would open and favor would hit us. And we'd try to be like, yeah, that's great. That's great. But we want to do <laughs> ministry. And we like, no, 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 that's great. That's great. And we just had this struggle of like, that's great that the that the favors in the marketplace, but we want ministry. That's what we're called to. And I think there was this value system yeah, for like, for well, sure. the value is ministry. Like that's the ultimate call. And, and we so, as a church have done a poor job of not, we've elevated that. Yeah. Um, especially growing up in our like 90s, 80s, 90s. Yes. That was a very elevated place to be. I think the church is doing a better job of not overvaluing that, but right. for a season. Yeah, that yeah. was the highest call. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was a struggle. And so trying to find our place in the middle of that and realizing, okay, the ministry doors are shutting and the marketplace doors are opening. What do we do? And just asking God, you know, lead us. We don't know what to do. We're just, our hands are open. And he kind of takes you to the end of your rope where you're kind of like, okay, I'm done leading. Like, especially as a wife, like I'm done leading. I've tried everything. I've done everything. I'm just going to wait and stay steady and uh, I'm going to just knock on doors and see, God, what you have for us. And I'm going to wait for my husband to fill an unction. Um, you know, I can knock on the doors, but I want him to agree and know that it's God as well. So um, it was just a place of like brokenness of just, okay, I'm done. I think when he leaves us at place, I remember the Lord speaking to me once because I had been home with the kids for about 10 years, um, not traveling, not doing some ministry stuff, but very rarely 
you know, I couldn't do a lot. He was working. Mm -hmm. So it's juggling children. And so just being home, right? Like that's my, the main focus of where I was at and keeping my head above water, not like the joy of my life is being at home. Like it wasn't like that. It was, oh my gosh, this was not what I had chosen, but okay. Like I know it's God's best, but it's not what like the, the best I'm living my hashtag dream life. Right. Like this is not fun. <laughs> and I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, Deborah, you can sow in one field and reap in another. Mm. And I remember feeling like, okay, Lord, like I am about to go into this business and I haven't been in, I've never been in the business. I've been in ministry, but I've never been in business. And I feel so, I have, as a newbie, I'm 38 years old. You know, can I start over? Like I'm not in my 20s. I, I don't know if I if I have what it takes. I feel old. I feel like I, I have to relearn new things. I have to develop as a person in my 40s. Like here we go. And the pain of that, but knowing like this is my chance to like make like, grow and become and develop and be like do what God asked me to do and to shake off old concepts and mindsets and ideas of what I thought God wanted to do and just be open just say okay God what is it and so I believed I said okay God well I may not know all the ministry or all the marketplace stuff or all the management stuff or the business stuff but I know the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and I know how to hear his voice and that will be my secret sauce mm. And so I will find, I know how the prophetic works. I know how to hear his voice. And so I will use that. That is my secret to my success. And so in my business, I begin to hear the Holy Spirit. And every morning I would put my worship music on and I would blast it in my house and I begin to pray. And I'd say, God, if you want this to be, then you're going to have to make it be. And I need your anointing. I need your favor. I need you to do this. And I need to hear from you. I need you to tell me what to do. And in that season, he began to speak and think doors begin to open and things begin to happen. And I would feel unctions. I would feel the Lord say, call that person, you know, uh, email that person, uh, post this post, whatever it is. You know, obviously in my in my business, it's there's a lot of marketing and different things, but and I just begin to do that and I begin to see God. People begin to say, wow, you're growing so fast and these things. And I'd say, they'd say, what is your secret? And I I just say, the Holy Spirit. I don't have any secret. I'm not talented. I don't have any, there's nothing special. It's just the Holy Spirit. So I think sometimes the seeds, we see someone not growing on the outward and we judge them and go, oh, they're not successful. They're not growing, but there's a lot of roots that are growing deep that get ready, like get ready. It will it will pop forth and it will happen quickly and it will grow quickly and people will admire and go, wow, that happened so fast. No, it didn't. Like, don't they say that yeah. quote of like success they think is overnight, but success is 10 years. Yeah. And it's that in the prophetic, like we look at people who are very prophetic and we think, oh, wow, they just must have heard God's voice and just went for it. You know, we look at different people we admire. No, that's probably 10, 15 years of listening and waiting yeah. and connecting. Yeah, it's very true. And I love that. I hope you guys caught that. Like your secret sauce was hearing the voice of God and doing that. And um, what I loved about what you did was you didn't put your your prophetic to the side. You didn't sit on a shelf and say, okay, I'm gonna be really good in the marketplace and then I'll come back and fund the ministry and then I'll be spiritual. You were like, no, I'm going to be spiritual in my atmosphere, in my environment. And I watched you do that. And I remember there was a time when you told Daniel, God told me I'm bringing you home. 
You're not going to work in the marketplace. And I remember we would laugh like, oh, Deborah's going to bring Daniel home. You know, he's going to be his her house husband. And we got, you know, we were kind of laughing about it. Um, but really, God got the last, last laugh because you knew this is what I'm supposed to do. And it was a very, it was hard. You worked really hard and you were, you were very diligent, but really it was miraculous. And mm-hmm. how long did that take before you brought him home to work with you? Yeah. 18 months, 18 months from the beginning to, to where we are today. And well, he's been working with me three years now, but 18 months. And I remember just having to state it, like the Lord spoke to me, this can happen. And that fear, the insecurity, what if I say it, it doesn't happen. You know, obviously we're on God's timeline, but just knowing like, Holy Spirit, if you say it, I'm going to believe it and I'm going to do it. And we were talking about that even last night together, just that sense of it takes a lot to say it and then to continue to say it over and over. And you have to speak it sometimes out for even though the Lord speaks it to you in your in your inward man, you have to speak it out and not everyone's going to believe you around you. And that's okay. Their faith levels are different. Mm-hmm. But you sometimes even verbally saying it out loud over and over, you begin to tell yourself over and over and you begin to believe it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to hear your own voice say it out loud over and over for you to begin to believe it. And I think we say it in our mind a lot, but we have to, I mean, I remember I got a vision board out, guys. I became one of those people with the dream board. <laughs> I would put it, I put it in my closet. I I put it out there. I, I stood in front of it every day when I got dressed. I put it in my closet so no one could see it because I'm, you know, I'm not a um, public person or private. And it was one of those trifolds that you could fold up and no one would see it. And I would open it up every day. I'd get dressed and I'd pray and I'd look at it and I had on there, Daniel's coming home. And I had a different, some pictures and things and some graphs and paying off debt and some things that we needed to happen. And I just had that vision in front of me. And I knew what the Holy Spirit had said to me. And I was going to go after it with everything in me. And um, that helped in the discouraging days and it helped in the days that were hard and the sick days and the the days that Daniel, you know, wanted to quit early or didn't, you know, didn't want to come home or all that. It really helped. And I think sometimes we I do believe that we as women are anointed mm-hmm. to sometimes hear God and mm-hmm. carry that look, carry it even when no one else believes it for that season. It's like the pregnant part of us. Yes. Yeah, where the woman can hold the seed yes. and carry it and nurture it without anyone seeing it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's almost like a, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I you can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, yeah, I'm curious, like now after Daniel brought it home, you, you began to speak it out. And again, it wasn't like we were all filled with faith either. We no. didn't really know. And you are the queen of entrepreneurial. Like you are, you've started many businesses. You've done, like you are, what Deborah does when she gets focused on an idea, that's what she's obsessed with and she'll make it happen. And she's usually successful in it. Like it's not something that you're like, oh, that whatever happened with that? It's usually big enough for her to build something from it. And then she kind of puts it away. Like I'm done. I did it. Um, and she's done this a couple of times in our life. She's the one that always would get me started. And we did all kinds of things together. Um, but now today you've been working in this business for how long? Four and a half years. And how many people have a direct, you're leading in, in a, in a direct, you know, relationship about almost a thousand people. So almost a thousand people are connected to your team and everything that you're building, which is amazing. Yeah. Almost a thousand team, but hundreds of thousands, I would say are connected to us in some way, which is pretty wild. It is wild. And so I'm curious, do you think it was easier to dream in the harder times than it is in the, in the, the fruitful times? 
Yes. Well, I'm an Enneagram three, or actually a four three. I think <laughs> mm-hmm. we said we're I'm a four uh-huh. three now. So if you believe in Enneagram, if you don't, it's okay. Right. You don't have to. You don't have to listen to this. Um, and so I think uh, once you achieve something, there sometimes can be a bit of a lull. It's like, okay, got there. Now what? And now, you know, our goal is to help other people get to where we are and really help them find the freedom that they want, whatever that looks like for them. And so it's kind of like let their dreams become our passion. But um, they, they definitely there's it is a it's a unique thing. I think um, the grit it takes to get to where you want to be, there's something addictive about mm-hmm. that. It's like I will get up and I will do it. And then once you get to that place, you've got to find your next why. Yeah. Like, what's the next why? What's the next thing that's going to get me up early every day? Going to help me stay up late? And if you don't have that, then you can kind of go into a slump of like, what's what's the purpose? What's the point? I might as well just kind of hang out and yeah, go into autopilot. Yeah. yeah. So with your dream life right now, how often do you give a dream or you have one that you put away? Like, what percentage would you say? I how, how, Let me say this. How often do you dream every night first? I dream every night. So because you've taken your dream seriously... You're more prone to know that you dream every night, or would you dream no matter what? I dream no matter what. Okay. And what percentage do you remember that you would consider, like, significant? Maybe, um, oh, significant? Maybe once a month. Oh, but you would every night think of something that you that you dreamt about? Yeah. And what? Ask God? What? Well, was... if it doesn't, if I kind of remember as I'm waking up, but it doesn't really, then it, I will, God will bring back to remembrance during mm. my day. If it's really of Him. I will wake up remembering it. And as I think about it, more details will come to mind. And then as I mull it over all day, more details will come to mind. And I will know in my spirit something's on it. So it's not like a, oh my gosh, I forgot. It was the mm-hmm. most prophetic dream in the entire world. And I <laughs> forgot right. it. It was going to yeah. change my entire life. And I <laughs> I fell back asleep and it's done. You know, it's not like that. It's it's more of a I, that unction, like I know something's on this dream. Like the dream I had a couple weeks ago. I know something's on that dream. I woke up, Daniel. Some, and he's not a morning person, so that's always yeah, fun. You but called me right away. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, like, my spirit man knows, okay, something's on this, but that doesn't happen as often. Now, the prophetic, because we've learned to grow in that prophetic yeah. sense, if someone asks us to, to do prophetic, we can do that. Like, we can prophesy and hear something for anybody at any time because we've, we've used that muscle. Um, dreaming, the Lord said to me with dreams, once he said, Deborah, the reason I give you dreams is because um, I speak to the night because you're too busy during the day. Mm. And I think sometimes as busy wow. moms and wives, we don't have time to sit and listen to God's voice. And so he speaks to us in the night. And um, and so I always want to be listening and I want to value that. Um, but I think when we stop to do prophetic, we actually do stop to listen. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think we do that all the time, all day long. Yeah. And so if we did, I don't know. I mean, I think he would still give us dreams in the night. But, you know, there were dreams that were powerful. I mean, Joseph got a dream, yes. you know, yes. to go to Egypt. And then the other Joseph got a dream. You know, there's. Yep. it's like yep. dreams are all over the Bible. And they led and they were pivotal to, to movements and things happening in people's lives. And so I do believe in prophetic dreams. Um, I, I do think there's probably a lot of pizza dreams out there as well. And so it's a matter of just being able to learn to discern them and just cherishing the ones you have, writing them down and waiting, waiting for God to reveal whatever that looks like, Yeah, whatever that is. So what percentage of the dreams that you have are for you versus for somebody else? Oh, these are, you're asking hard questions. <laughs> um, I would say the majority now, I would say probably 
Um, 75% are for other people, 25 for me, for me. And how do you share those dreams practically? Do you email them? Do you see I, them? If I know them personally, I'll text it to them. Mm-hmm. I, I like to document it because mm-hmm. people want to keep them as a record. I will not call them and, and talk, tell the dream verbally to them. It net people get lost. The minute you get into sentence number three, they're, they are, they are not experiencing and what you've experienced. And they think you can remember everything. Yeah. So like they don't realize like. You you might be sharing something from the Lord, but you don't remember what you're in a you're in a you're in a prophetic moment. Totally, yeah. And have you ever had someone share a long dream? I mean, halfway through, you're like, oh, I can't. I'm done. <laughs> like, I don't have. It's like you just don't. I'm a dreamer, and I get done. So right. I write it down. I will date it. Mm-hmm. I will name it the dream, so it's an easy way to reference it. I will write the dream usually um, in a quote or something, so they know where the dream ends. And then I'll say something like, um, this is some of the things the Lord has spoke to me about the dream, or this is some uh, interpretation I'm thinking it may be. And then I'll write some things like about it, and then I'll send it. I'll email it for people I don't know, or message them on Facebook, whatever. And then when it comes to people I know, I'll text them. But I do like to email more just so they can document and print it yeah. and put it in their journals or Bibles or, or whatever. I, I like to do a voice memo sometimes because yeah. of the... Um, emotion behind it mm, sometimes when true. you like write it out it feels like you could say god said and it could sound strong or harsh or it could sound loving and i feel like some of what the god is trying to share has an emotion behind it and then there are other times when i feel like it's just a word of knowledge or word of wisdom and you just want to say that point mm-hmm. and you don't want it to be caught up in your emotion you that want is it just good. Be like a point um, but yeah, you definitely leave me messages, voice messages for dreams, but that's clearly I do. me. Yeah. I, yeah. When yeah. I get a dream for you, it's usually mm-hmm. that, but I do have a girl in my life right now who's dreaming all the time and yeah. she'll send it to me. She DM'd it to me and then she'll send it, but it's usually written down mm-hmm. and I just log them all, put them in a little fo- like notes folder mm-hmm. in my phone. And I'll tell you what, so many of them I've gotten and thought, I don't know what that means. Mm. And it is without a doubt, something happens in my life and all I will remember, wait, there was a dream about this. And Ben and I just had this huge prophetic moment this year and I'm a knower, so I don't really have the thus say at the Lord's very often, but I went back and the dream, this girl had given me three different dreams and this woman, I should say. And by the time everything happened in my story, I, all three of them were linked and I had no idea. I thought they were all unique, different moments. And then all of a sudden it was like, she said this, and then this dream was three months later and this dream was six months later and it all makes sense. And that was so grounding. Like it was, it was so, so intense for me. Like that dream was critical and I call her my dreamer. And now when she sends a dream, I lean in because I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? Um, and I think it's really important. Again, if it goes against what God has said, you know, you're supposed to divorce your spouse and you're supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, do this or that. Okay, wait, it's got to be lined up biblically, mm-hmm. but it also needs to be something that is connected to what God's already been saying to you. So Deborah, thank you so much for your time and being here. I, I'm curious for all of those. And I know you kind of went through some really quick tips, but obviously writing it down when you wake up, dating it, naming it, thought those were excellent. Um, also, uh, maybe logging them, but not maybe overthinking them, mm-hmm. um, not sharing them unless it's critical to maybe a timing or unique season. Um, and then also not, not calling somebody and telling them every aspect of the dream. If you want to do that, emailing it, mm-hmm. sending it to them. Um, and you said you use it now. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave those that are listening that might say, I think I might have a dreaming 
a grace in my life. Of course, we're talking about spiritual gifts, mm -hmm. and that's not one of the nine as a dreamer. It's actually word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, discernment of spirits, prophecy. All of that can be lined up in a dream. So you guys mm -hmm. understand it's a filter in which we hear God's voice, or I should say avenue in which we hear God's voice, uh, but the essence is what God, what God is saying. So we're talking about being spirit-led. So if you're a dreamer, you're like, I think I might be... What's the first thing they should think about? Well, and even with, I was thinking word of knowledge, like there's been times the Lord spoke to me, income property. That's a word of knowledge in my dream. It so is. God will use different things in the dream and some things are prophetic. So they're futuristic when yeah. they come to pass in the dream. So that's really cool. I like that. Um, I would just say, you know, it is a muscle that you have to develop and it will feel awkward at the beginning and it will feel, you know, a lot of times we attach a lot of emotion to, it feels very personal. And I think my my, I guess, advice would be, especially as a female, to take the emotion out of it. Um, I, I find that if I add too much emotion and too much of me in it, um, that I have a hard time hearing God because I'm filtering it through me and I'm not filtering it through the Lord. So I, I really try to take that emotion out of it and go, okay, I know I'm having a bad day or I know I don't really like that person or I'm having a hard time with that person, but I'm going to say what the Lord has for them because I don't know their story and I don't know. And so I'm I'm going to share the dream, how the Lord told me to share it, not how I think it needs to be shared. I'm never going to distort or mm -hmm. change anything because of the emotion behind how I feel about them. And so I would say that I'd also say if you're a dreamer, you know, they're like precious pearls. Write them down. Look at mm. them. You'll you'll come back to them. You'll see them. They'll make sense. Some of them will never make sense. I think some will make sense in heaven, and we'll go, yeah. "Oh, thank you, God. You you gave it to me, and it makes sense now." But having them, you'll you'll be you'll be triggered by the Holy Spirit times to go, oh, "That's the dream." Okay, that's mm -hmm. for that person, mm -hmm. and you'll go back because you wrote it down and you had it ready. You'll be ready to give it to that person at that exact moment. So really, let the Holy Spirit tug on your heart at the right time to give it to the right person. But um, I think the more you use it, the more you will, and the more you value it, the more God will give it to you. Yeah. And I do believe this next generation, my kids, guys, our kids are dreaming. And my kids are dreaming all the time. When my kids, when they wake up, I say, do you have any dreams? Yeah. When they carpool, I say, what are your dreams? And I go, tell me all of them. And I will tell them my dreams because I want them to see the value and my kids dream and they they literally, I can tell you their spiritual dreams and it encourages them to hear God's voice because sometimes it's hard for them to hear God's voice during the day as well as they're learning, but they can hear God's voice at night. Yeah. I love, I think the, the underlying theme is really stewardship. Like that's what you're really reminding us is like, you have to start small, but you have to steward the things that God gives you. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a wow, often a wow thing. It's going to be a small thing that you have let grow and develop. And I just love it. And I just am thinking about everyone that's listening to this podcast right now. I'm so glad you're here. And, you know, Deborah and I are, have a very clear conviction that God is doing things in your life to lead you to this moment to hear this podcast and that God wants to develop his voice in your life. He's a father. The Bible says that he's not going to hide himself from you. He desperately wants you to hear his voice because it's not just about going and doing. It's about being. It's about being his kid and hearing your dad's voice and his emotion behind his voice that he loves you, he's for you, he hasn't brought you this far to leave you, and that he's going to show you what to do next. You never have to do life alone. Never. 
If you're doing life alone, you're doing it because that's how you've chosen to live. But the Holy Spirit came so that you could do life with Him and that you would never have to do another moment alone. And that secret sauce of hearing His voice would be your life coach, would be your pastor, would be your counselor, would be your visionary, your financial guru. I mean, God is going to help you in all those aspects. So, um, Deborah, thank you for being on this podcast. I love you. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. (laughs) But I really am glad that you're here. And for those of you that are interested in what Deborah does, um, obviously, we will link all her content and all of her connections in our Instagram, or I say in our show notes, and you can see her on Instagram and kind of get a, an idea of what she does. Please don't DM her and ask her about details about my life or things mm-hmm. that I'm doing. She's got her own life. She's got a full life, and she uh, she's got good boundaries. Yeah. She's the queen of boundaries. And I, please don't send me dreams. I will not interpret them for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't wish even I could. Interpret my dreams. I know. I don't. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Debs, thanks for being on here. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, you guys, that concludes our spirit-led course, our spirit-led series. Remember, next week, January 1st, we begin our Discovering and Activating Our Spiritual Gifts study. Please don't delay. Go in and sign up today. It's completely free, and I really need your help. I've, I've said this um, on my socials, but I want to say here on the podcast Can you guys help me? Can you share this with your community? I know you might think, I only have a few friends. Is it a big deal? It really is. Like, that's the best way to give back to me. If this podcast or this, my courses or Bible studies or messages have meant anything to you, the best way to give back to me and to help me is to share it with your community. Again, anyone can join. There's no cost. It's completely free. And January 1st, we will start. It's actually do at your own time, your own pace. So you don't have to watch it live. You don't have to be anywhere. You can watch it any time of the day. You can watch it on Saturdays only. And that entire study of 15 days is a gift to you. You can participate anytime, anywhere. Uh, and that's that's a gift. Otherwise, if this podcast, you love the podcast and you want us to do more podcasts like this, please leave us a review. You know, I know that sounds like a lot of work, but I promise it's not. Click on leave a review, leave some stars so that other people can find us. Other than that, you guys, I'm so, I'm so proud of you to listen to things that really mean something to God and to others and how you want to grow your life in God. Wow. Well done. You're my kind of people. Um, until next time, have a great day.